Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Where are you listening from today? Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button that's in front of you. And if you're at a place like iTunes or Podchaser, uh, a place that you can leave a rating or review, that would be amazing as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. My guest today is Art Alexakis of the band Everclear. It's the 25th anniversary of the band, the 25th anniversary of their Nervous and Weird EP, and uh, sort of the 25th anniversary of their debut album, World of Noise. Art tells us all about the times that led into the making of that record and how he's actually thinking about putting out a new edition of it. We also get the story about how South by Southwest back in 93 played such an integral part of launching the band. Uh, we'll look at 20 years of his very first solo track that was on uh, Ben Stiller's movie Permanent Midnight and hear about the upcoming solo record that he's going to be putting out. It's Kyle Meredith with Art Alexakis of the band Everclear. First off, I mean, you're on the summer tour right now. You got, uh, what, Local H and Marcy Playground? Is that the bill this time around? Yes, yes sir. Summerland 2018, our sixth year of doing this. And um, it's fun. 
It's a, it's a very rock and roll tour. There's no keyboards. There's no computers. No tracks. No auto tune. Like a couple, uh, you know, I don't want to name names, but every year there's at least one band that has all the technology and stuff. And you know, it just doesn't seem very genuine to me. I, I I'm an old school guy. I like guitars, bass, drums, and you no know, keyboards are fine. But you know, just have Having live people play them without a net is really exciting to me, and that's what we've got going on this year. Before we um, get into the new stuff, because I know that's that's an also exciting part to talk about, uh, I, I'd like to hit on some anniversaries, because this happens to be the 25th anniversary of Everclear's first EP and the uh, World of Noise album. That came out in 93. That's true. The thing is, about those, you know, I've, been, I've said it was the 25th anniversary, but it's... It, it, it was re-released, not, not that EP, but the album World of Noise was re-released in 94. And that's when people started really finding out about it. I mean, so it's kind of dubious. I mean, I think I'm thinking about putting out a remastered version with a bunch of tracks, even some tracks from that EP next year. I own that record. So I'm actually looking into doing that. And uh, I, I thought maybe... It would be better to talk about that stuff when the remastered version comes out. But I don't know if you want to talk about it. That's fine. You know, when you're an early start, when you're just starting out, you you can have that happen. You know, the the demos end up becoming the actual album, and and on and on. Oh, and hello, Baruch Assault, much? Right, yeah. right. Baruch, that was yeah. That was, those were the first recordings, and it showed up on the radio with Fever, and it was a huge hit. And basically started their career for them by getting them their record deal because people in the industry couldn't believe that this little indie single was number one at alternative radio for a couple of weeks, for a few weeks. It was in the top ten for a long time. It's a monstrous uh, song. And, and that was really exciting. I was excited when that happened. When I look back at that, you know, Knowing uh, the bit of your history that I can, you know, gather from uh, from the web from uh, before that era and everything, having come from you know what they were calling the cowpunk scene, moving to Portland, grunge explosion had happened at that point. How important was that to shaping the sound of what would become Everclear? I know, I know a few of those songs had existed for a little while, but it did fit in the grand conversation at the time. Well, I, what you what you seen is actually pretty much true in a way but not really because it seems like i just said hey there's grunge going on i'm gonna stop doing this this uh country thing and go up there and do it and that really wasn't the case if you look at what i put out on my indie label shindig you know i had always been into big huge guitars and stuff like that i did like some cowpunk bands but cowpunk was a thing that happened in la pretty much a little bit in, in San Francisco, but that was the early, early 80s, late 70s, uh, with bands like Blood on the, the Saddle, and there was, there was a few of those bands that that were out there. What I had going on in, in the late 80s in San Francisco was pretty much called the alternative country scene, and I put out a record on my label to commemorate it called Lazy Loud and Liquored Up, and... Um, you know, it never really was much of a scene because people just wouldn't play nice together, you know. Uh, but there was a bunch of these bands that came up. And I had a band called Easy Hose that came out of that. And I, I just basically started my own label. I borrowed some money from one of the guys I worked with at, at 
this printing concern, uh, who was a salesman and made a lot more money than I did, and basically started this little label. And my our first thing was a band called the Easy Hose. I swear to God, that's the name, Easy Hose. <laughs> and that was my band. I was in that band, but I wasn't the leader of that band. I played guitar and sang and produced and, and uh, sang lead on, I think, two or three songs, something like that, uh, on the album. But that band after that, Colorfinger, was much more aggressive and, and punkish and it still had a country kind of feel to it. So I think that's where people get that whole gotcha. cow punk thing. I was a fan of cow punk as a kid, but you know, that's in my early 20s, late teens. Anyways, I moved to Portland because I, my, I had a girlfriend from Portland from touring up there on the original release of uh, Deep in the Heart of the Beast in the Sun, which is the color figure record. I met a girl, and we fell in love, and she came to San Francisco, and she got pregnant, and so we we moved to Portland. I didn't move to Portland for any other reason. <laughs> it just was a better place to raise a kid, and I had no idea how to raise a child. So, uh, And plus, she had family there, and I, my, my sister uh, and my mom was soon to move there, but my sister lived there, so it made sense. But at the time, while that was going on, Colorfinger was already starting to get harder and more aggressive. And with the uh, debut, not, not the debut, I'd already started listening to sub-pop bands. Because before that girlfriend, I had a girlfriend who turned me on to sub-pop like the year before. And so I was already listening to, you know, bands like Nirvana and uh, the other sub-pop bands. She, she signed me up for the Singles of the Month Club. So wow. I was already starting to move in that direction with my songwriting. And then when I moved to Portland, I still kept doing the band down in San Francisco, but it was just, we were on welfare. I couldn't I couldn't afford to go back and forth, you know? Yeah. So I quit that band and put an ad out for a new band, Everclear. I wanted to call it either Everclear or Sparkle. I wasn't sure which one I was going to call it. And then I put an ad in the, the Rocket and... That's how I met the guys. Yeah. And that's how I started doing that. And that was in 1992. And then the album comes out uh, locally uh, a year after that. And the songwriting is so fully formed at that point. I think that's what's really amazing about that. Of course, you, as you say, you'd been writing for, you know, like a decade, uh, for, you know. At uh, least a decade, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, for sure. I, I've been writing, I started writing songs when I was about 2021. 20, because yeah. I got, I just got sick. I was playing in punk bands, hard rock bands, cover bands. I just got really sick of dealing with singers who couldn't play an instrument. You know, they'd be like, I don't like that. Can we play something more linear? I'm like, what the hell does linear mean? What do you mean by linear? <laughs> that has nothing to do with music. I don't, unless you're John Cage. I don't know what you mean. Right. So I just, I had actually walked out of a rehearsal with the band I was in. I'm just like, all right, I'm done with this. And uh, sat on my mom's couch for uh, about a year, just learning how to play other people's songs and, and learning how to write songs and sing and play at the same time. So by the time I wrote the songs for World of Noise, I mean, I brought a lot of those up with me to Portland, and then they, they changed a little bit. And what happened is in late 92, I wasn't really sure what was happening with the band. I wasn't sure if it was gonna if we were good or not. And I met a guy... Like, well, I was digging a ditch. I met a guy on the other side of the wall that I saw all these kind of hip-looking guys go in and out of this garage or this basement. And I'm like, oh, it's got to be a drug deal. You know? <laughs> and here, here I am, like two years sober, 
happening in Southern Ireland, like thinking, man, I wonder what they got going on over there, you know. <laughs> and uh, a guy comes out, and, you know, I look over the fence, and he sees me and goes, man, you're in that band. You, you guys play around. And, I'm, like, no one ever recognized me because no one knew who we were. But, you know, I guess he'd see me on a Friday night at, at this pub and playing. And I would go, yeah. And he goes, hey, well, I go, what are you guys doing, man? You know, he goes, I got a basement. I got a, I got a uh, uh, studio in the basement. I go, really? He goes, yeah, I want to see it. I'm like, sure. I go, I'm done digging this ditch. I was doing extra work for uh, someone my wife worked with, you know, for like an extra 200 bucks because mm-hmm. we were poor. So that was my girlfriend who was going to become my second wife. And I, 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 so I literally jumped over the fence, something I couldn't do now if I, you know, if I paid somebody. And I just jumped over the fence and went and looked at it. It was this little basement studio clean. You had a little quarter-inch 8-track, Fostex 8-track. And I'm like, well, how much are you charging? He goes, 10 bucks an hour. I go, will you take some stuff and trade? He goes, maybe. What do you got? And I told him what I had. I had a MIDI perv and an uh, old analog delay. He goes, yeah, if they're working, I'll give you $400 worth of trade. And I brought them to him, and that's how much it cost in a quarter of the noise. Jeez. Because that's all I had. And we did it in about two weeks. That, that was in late, late, like November, December 92. And um, I... Uh, before it become became an EP or anything, I I dashed off a a, a uh, tape. I had some tapes made, and uh, I sent one to South by Southwest. And I got back like two weeks later this raving letter accepting us. I'm just like, man, we don't have any money. We have no way to get there. So you know, I just started hustling and convinced some people to let us use their credit cards and, and rented a van and. Um, and before I left town, I put a bunch of packets of, you know, like, you know, bio and, and uh, pictures and cassettes that I made. Actually, as we were leaving town to to go to South by Southwest, and I had booked us like four or five dates on there and, and a few coming back from places I played with Color Finger. I put them in the mail. And we were in Austin. I was coming back, and I, I called my dreams from my became my second wife I called in she's like man you better get home I go why I was afraid something was wrong with our, our daughter and she's like there everybody's writing about you in all the papers it's like everybody put out a thing saying Everclear who is Everclear Everclear's best new band of it's just like in like Three local rags, the local newspaper, the local free paper, people were just raving about it. So we went home, and this is 93, we went home and started getting actual gigs. And we became the band in Portland. Now, Fire Maple Song, it's so, sort of become um, you know a minor radio hit at that point, I think, but with college radio. Uh, which, not yet. Not was, yet, okay. It was a little bit later. It was a little bit later, because then... This local lo- label reached out to me, TK Records, and then I, we signed a, a short deal with them, and they put out the EP. And then later that year, they put out, uh, the first time, they put out World of Noise, but it didn't really do anything. And so by that time, I had hooked up with this guy who was a, a lawyer down in L.A., and he was managing the band with me, and we decided to hire a... A college radio consultant who would work the record, and I remember because it cost seven hundred dollars, which was like 
almost so twice as much as the much. album. Uh, almost, but you know what? It got us to. It got us to. And they just call people, and you know, and, and worked it, and it, we got to number seven on the college radio charts, which is really hard to do. It's it hard is. to do that because you can't pay for that. Those, those those kids that work at those stations are like they resent when people call them, you know, mm-hmm. but. They were they. What they did is they sent the record out, and people just glommed onto it. So that was really good. So all the things you're saying are true. Just, uh, just, uh, and, you know. I mean, it took a lot longer than you know, just throwing it against the wall to stick. You know, I, I loved it when people were like, "Wow, your first real band, you, you got a platinum record." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me, <laughs> man? Uh, seriously?" I've been playing in bands since I was 16. I've been writing songs and singing my own songs since I was 22. I was 32 when that happened. And I had been in multiple bands constantly, touring locally, touring internationally, not internationally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to blow my own horn, but I did my dues, you know? Right. I was out there doing it, learning. That's how you get good, is you... You just, you know, it's kind of the the, the ten thousand hours thing. You know, it's just like you've 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 got to put in the time. And the bands that don't put in the time that just kind of happen, they generally don't last. I think Weezer is the exception to that rule because apparently they get signed at their first their first show. I still would like to talk about the new stuff too. Yeah, I'm making a solo record and it's really good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, seriously, I've always wanted to make a solo record, but it always seemed like a stupid thing to do because Everclear is my band. I, you know, there's nothing, it, nothing comes out that doesn't sound the way I want it to sound. So it's, it, it would seem kind of like a useless vanity thing to do a solo album. That's why I never did one on Capitol, even though they tried to get me to do it. But what I, I've always wanted to do is do a record where I play everything, and I'm not really a great drummer or this and that. I can get by. But this is just me and my engineer slash co-producer, and uh, we're just in my little studio I built in Pasadena, and it's, it's mostly acoustic so far. We got about nine songs, basics down, and uh, right more on the road. I'm going to finish it this this fall. Yeah. I'll deliver it late late fall. Did you know it's uh, actually That's... the 20th anniversary of the song "Overwhelming" from the Permanent Midnight soundtrack, which just happens to be the first time nationally that you'd build yourself solo. Really good to know. I was it twenty years. Yeah, Permanent Midnight that came, out, came tw- out 1998. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I remember doing that. I remember Ben Stiller and uh, Jerry Stahl, the guy that the, the book was about, you know, and uh, they came to a show down in I think Laguna Beach, and then me and Ben hung out for a little bit, like over the next few months, and uh, yeah, I wrote that song and liked it. He wanted me to write a song, so I wrote a song. And uh, after seeing a rough of the movie, and really the song has nothing to do with the movie. That's more personal, just mm-hmm. you know, feeling stuff. But and uh, I remember recording it with this producer, Paul Fox, the only other producer I've worked with. And uh, yeah, I and I haven't heard that version in a long time because we re recorded it for Songs from American Movie Volume Two, like about I'd say two years later. So that's interesting. That that was twenty years. Wow. Yeah, it's a nice uh, wraparound there, and and even to tie it in back, you know, to those world of noise songs. I, I, I sort of I was kind of laughing because there's a line in one of the songs where you talk about hearing 
Grandma sing those country songs, and I thought, you know, here you've got a solo record that's got, you know, apparently some some banjo and acoustic, and it seems like the full circle, in, in a way. Absolutely, there's dobro banjo, there's slide. I'm playing slide on it, and uh, it's all acoustic, twelve strings, mandolin, mandola. Yeah, it this this it, it is kind of full circle because this this record has a definite Americana kind of feel to it. It's really rough. I want it to be rough. I don't want it to be overproduced. I really have to push myself to not make it overproduced. But right now, it's, you know, it's in the later embryonic stage, you know. I it's I, I don't know what it's going to sound like till it's done, and I don't know what it's going to be called until it's done. It'll tell me what it's supposed to be called, just like all my albums do. When I try to name them before they're done, I always change the name because it just doesn't mean what... You know, it doesn't make any sense anymore. It's just like so much for the afterglow. That was called Pure White Evil. Such a pretentious title. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it took me a few months and a couple of misses to, to figure it out. And I'm sure it will happen this way, too. That's the fun of the process. And that's what I wanted. And that's I wanted this to be fun and do something I hadn't done before. I can't wait to hear it, man. And uh, And hopefully we can do this again when that's out and dig into that one a little bit deeper as well. Okay, I look forward to it. It's uh, good talking to you. You too. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. <laughs> All right, take Bye. care. Bye. Hey, thanks to Art Alexakis of Everclear for giving me the call. Looking forward to that new solo record. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to Consequence of Sound's YouTube channel to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. Uh, for your podcast fans, uh, iTunes, Podchaser, those are great places to leave a rating and, and then a review. Tell everybody how much you love this series right here. Uh, and then you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.